running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. All right, running up the score, back to long form podcast. I'm excited to get back to this way. It's been a while throughout the season. I was more focused, uh, you know, on short form videos for social media and TikTok because I needed to get the videos out in a timely manner uh, because of the way that the season goes. But I'm back doing long form. I'm hoping to do it for the rest of the off season. Hopefully get one a week at least. I know I have a few things coming up. I know uh, I want to get Kevin back on the, the pod, you know, once or twice. I want to do something about fantasy. We'll see. But, uh, you know, it's just been uh, very busy since getting back to work and dealing with driving to another state every day and coming home and the hours just in the car. It's been hard. You know, so I was only focusing on short form because I could record a, you know, three minute video, cut it into a minute and a half and put it out on TikTok in an hour. You know, when I do the, you know, the long form podcast, it takes a little while. I got to edit it for, you know, all the podcast platforms. You know, I usually edit one for YouTube and then off of that. I do uh, the clips for TikTok and, you know, Instagram and whatnot, but, but I'm back. So obviously I came on, I did some videos for your betting needs for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is obviously over now. Thank you to the Kansas City Chiefs for knocking off the 49ers. The 49ers are still in a longer Super Bowl drought than the Dallas Cowboys. Whoa, I bet you wouldn't have known that the way that the media works with the Dallas Cowboys. But we'll get into that, um, you know, later on. The Chiefs all year were up and down, but I will say and I've said it earlier in the season. The one scary thing. Yes, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the wide receiver, you know, or just the the cohesion on offense to be able to do what he was doing in the prior years. But the scary thing about that team was that defense was top-notch. That defense all year long was a top-three defense. And they even showed it in the Super Bowl. They're rock solid. That team on defense in the secondary up front, I mean, they... They were all over San Francisco. You know, the 49ers, on the other hand, other than their three-game skid that they had, they were kind of the best team in the league all year. Uh, They were the favorite to win the Super Bowl since earlier in the season. But there's, at least on my end, I know people, you know, this has been a back-and-forth thing all year long. The questions surrounding Brock Purdy. Listen, I, I, I'll i tell you right here. 
The guy's a good quarterback. He is. But it's hard to see what kind of quarterback he is with the team that he has around him. And that's not a knock on him. He can't control the team that he has. And the team that he has and what he's doing with it, you, you, you can't knock that. He made the Super Bowl. But I've been hearing a lot of like, oh, well, at least we got to the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't work that way. I, I don't understand, you know, the thought process for some of these people. It, you know, when you lose in the Super Bowl, the key word is lose. You didn't win a Super Bowl. You know, this, this new generation of uh, everybody needs a participation award. No, that's loser mentality. Just because you made it to the Super Bowl this year doesn't mean that you're going to make it to the Super Bowl next year. Ask the Philadelphia Eagles. It doesn't work that way. And that's in every sport. No matter what, no matter what sport you play, it is hard to get to a championship. Let alone win one. And you can't take it for granted just making it. It doesn't work that way. And you can't think that way. So, you know, when you get to that point, you need to make the best of it. And you need to win it to get any props. You're not going to get any props for making the Super Bowl from me. It's not going to happen. I don't I don't even care if it was the Cowboys. If the Cowboys made it to the Super Bowl and lost in the Super Bowl, they lost in the Super Bowl. Period. It's a failure of a season. When you lose in the Super Bowl, it's a failure. Everybody's task, everybody's goal, when you first walk into camp, it's to hold the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the season in February. And whether you're making the wild card, not making the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl, and having the other team's colors confetti drop on top of your head as you walk off the field, it's all a failure, no matter what. There are 31 failed teams in the NFL every year. And the 49ers were the last to be the failed team. <laughs> That's it. The other crazy thing that I saw, you know, the, the overtime rules. San Francisco not knowing it. I mean, we we all commend Kyle Shanahan for how good of an offensive mind he is, how good of a head coach he is. But that that can't happen. Your team needs to know. And the fact that you take the ball first, I mean, yes, the old playoff rules, yeah, you want the ball first. But now that everybody gets a chance no matter what, you don't want the ball first. Because it was a perfect example of what happened. 
49ers drive down the field, don't get the touchdown, they kick the field goal. Now in the back of the mind of the Kansas City Chiefs is we get to a third and long, we get to a, a you know a fourth and short or fourth and mid, fourth and long, we have to go for it no matter what. On the other hand, San Francisco, if that would have happened where they go fourth and long, they're either punting it or kicking a field goal. But now, on Kansas City side, it's like, listen, we're balls to the wall here. We're going for it, no matter what. So that's the difference. And then at the end of the season, San Francisco makes Steve Wilkes the scapegoat. Listen, I I mean, it, it seemed like all year long, the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan just didn't really jive with Steve Wilkes. You know, whatever it was, I, I don't know. But it seemed as though maybe Steve Wilkes just didn't have the, the personnel, which is crazy how you don't have the right personnel in, in San Francisco because their defense is, is rock solid as well. But, you know, just for his, his coaching style, whatever it was, I, I don't know. Steve Wilkes is still a good, you know, defensive mind. So, surprising that he hasn't been picked up by anyone, you know, that's not here nor there. But, uh, but yeah, just making him the scapegoat was a little weird uh, to me for, for San Francisco. But, you know what? We'll see what happens when this year comes back around. But, you know, there's basically, the you know, whenever you have a Super Bowl, you always have the rankings. I mean, every year, basically, we have rankings for, for every quarterback, and we always talk about it, this and that. In terms of GOAT status now, you know, we have the the quarterback rankings, you know, for all the quarterbacks in the league, you know, that they're playing now. But in terms of greatest of all time status, where does Patrick Mahomes stand? For me, it's he's in the top three. I I don't know if I put him at the number two yet. I mean, what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do in the the short time that he's been in the league has been remarkable. the The combination of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid has been remarkable. I mean, this this year was a perfect example of the epitome of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid just finding a way, doing what they do. And it'll be hard for me to put Patrick Mahomes above Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's got seven. And Tom Brady was the ultimate winner. So I can't, I can't put him I can't put Patrick Mahomes above Tom Brady, but I will say he I, I feel like already he's in the top three without a doubt. And you know that's you know I, I don't like to use Super Bowls as a as a benchmark because there have been plenty of great quarterbacks that have been able to be as great as these quarterbacks that we're talking about, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tom Brady, 
Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, like guys like that. There have been quarterbacks that have been just as good skill-wise. But in all honesty, they just they didn't have the team around them. And you know, I just I don't like using Super Bowls as that that mark like Listen, if you don't have a Super Bowl, I don't care how good you are, you're not in that, you know, that that conversation. But that's not that's not how I play it. You know, I I, I like to just I like to see how you play. I like to use my eyes to basically choose if I think you're a great quarterback. And there's been plenty. There has been plenty. I mean, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl, but a lot of people put him in the top 10 in quarterbacks of all time. So it's just, you know, I, I don't like using Super Bowls as a benchmark, but in terms of seven Super Bowls, that's that's on another level. So that's why Tom Brady's, you know, number one for me, and Patrick Mahomes is somewhere in that two or three mark. Now, in terms of the Chiefs, you know, moving into next season, who should they open up against? So, so far, you know, we know who they, they play at home. And we know that that Thursday night football game to start the season off is going to be in um, in Kansas City. So, these are the teams that they're playing. The Buccaneers, the Saints, the Broncos. Then these are the teams that, and those teams are not going to be week one. We could throw those teams right out. Not week one. These are the teams that I think, you know, have headline material for Kansas City to possibly open up the season, the 2024 season with. And these are the these are the ones. The Ravens. The Ravens are a rematch of the AFC Championship. That's really all you got to say about that. That's a headline. The Bengals. Having Joe Burrow back. And then Burrow returning to Burrowhead. That's another huge headline. The revamped Chargers now with Jim Harbaugh. Back in the NFL. Teaming up with Justin Herbert. Huge headline. The Texans. Big-time, young, stud quarterback, C.J. Stroud, facing off against the face of the league, Patrick Mahomes. Huge headline. And then, less of a headline, but more of a drama kind of thing, the Raiders. Division rival, Antonio Pierce talking shit about Mahomes. It just, that's, that's what the NFL is looking for. But if I had to guess, if I had to guess, We're going to see the Chiefs and the Bengals in week one, that Thursday night football game. And watching the Super Bowl, you know, obviously we had CBS as the the broadcast team. It was Jim Nance, Tony Romo. Tony Romo has gone from like the sweetheart in the NFL of the NFL broadcasters back to being hated by everyone again. And honestly, I really don't even think it's his fault. The reason why Tony Romo became such a, you know, 
I mean, he was always a big name. You know, he was the quarterback of the Cowboys. The guy was rock solid at quarterback. Everybody hated him. It was whatever. But, you know, he started his broadcasting career, took over for Phil Simms with the, the number one CBS team with Jim Nance without any other experience as a broadcaster and absolutely lit it up the first two or three seasons. You know, everybody putting up his videos of him, you know, reading the defense and being being able to tell you what the offense was going to run. And I honestly believe that CBS told him to stop doing that because obviously people still had their their Romo hate you know I've only had a handful of giant fans that you know again I'm I'm in the New York area so a lot of the people I know a lot of my friends they're Giants fans so no matter what a lot of them hated Romo no matter how good he was and then you had some that said well at least you know he's, he's a great broadcaster but I know that there were people that, you know, complained about it and whatever it was. But the fact that and I, I, I thought I saw a, you know, either a tweet or an article or whatever it was that Romo was told to to kind of slow it down a little bit with predicting the play and, you know, doing that. Like, I mean, honestly, why would you do that if you were CBS? Why? You know, whether the the whole, maybe it's a Jim Nance and Tony Romo thing, Jim Nance running to CBS, whatever it is, I don't know. But the fact that they told Romo to, to calm it down is crazy to me. And, the you know, that wasn't the only thing that I saw with Tony Romo. And, you know, I just watched a video the other day with, I believe the podcast was called Three Point Conversion, and it looked like it was at the Super Bowl, and they were interviewing Andre Girard. For those of you that don't know who Andre Girard is, he was the, the center for the Dallas Cowboys while Tony Romo was, you know, active as a quarterback. And I thought it was very interesting because Tony Romo will never, ever be able to live that Seattle Seahawks playoff game botch snap, he'll never be able to live that down. Cowboy fans will never be able to live that down. No matter what you say about Romo, you'll never, at least in other people's minds, win an argument because he botched the snap. And finally, I've you know, heard something that I've been trying to say for so long. I, I mean, it it really has been so long. Basically being told that it wasn't his fault. Here we go. Andre Girard on the three-point conversion radio. You guys, another story that most people don't know. When Romo dropped the snap from, for the field goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Seattle. I remember that. Here, here's, a, here's a internet breaking thing right now. You're about to get something. It was not Romo's fault. Nobody knows it. 
There are only two other people that know this, and he don't even know it. It wasn't his fault. This is what happened. We're driving down the field, and everybody knows we have a kicking ball to kick field goals with. Uh, LP, Louis Philippe, Lasore, he was a, a snapper. I'm, sta I'm, I'm right next to him on field goal. And the ball's placed on the ground. I'm like, LP, that's not our ball. He said, Dre, yeah, you're right. That's not our ball. It was a brand new ball that looked like a brand new shiny penny. I was about to say the glaze. And I said, yeah. we looked at the referee and said, hey, man, this isn't our ball. He said, so what? Snap it. Uh, like, man, this isn't our ball. And so you never knew that. And so we're arguing with the referee, and I'm trying to figure out, hey, LP, can you snap this ball and can I jump offside so they kick it so we can get another ball? But I didn't realize how much time we had and if we had a timeout. But we're looking at the ball saying, that is not our ball. And the referee's saying, you better snap it. Oh. Brand new shiny ball. And I want to say a, a year later, they came in with the rule that now you can use the kicking balls. Cause I heard something about that, that it's it, absolute they had the fact. wrong ball. or we're, we're arguing with the referee oh. saying, that is not our ball. Bruh. And the fact, here's another one that'll make you, that'll, that'll make you, that'll frustrate you. We drove down the length of the field. Yeah. To kick a field goal with four offensive linemen, not five. What? Marco Rivera had uh, had slipped a disc in his back. Uh -huh. He could barely get in the stand. So we were changing plays. He was on the field, but he couldn't block anybody. He had no power. Mm. So we're going down the field and we're changing the play. Just like, hey man, just stay on the field so we can get down the field. Mm. Barely get in the stands. Got all the way down the field, getting ready to kick the ball. They put it. They put it. Brand new, brand new ball in front of us and we're arguing with the referee saying this is not our ball because that football i pro i said it when they were showing it that, that yeah, that, yeah that football looked like they prepped it at uh krispy kreme yeah I'm i promise was, you i saw i'm like why it was it look so slippery if you go back and look at that ball you'll see like wait a minute and we're arguing with the referee like man this is not our ball he's just like snap it mace i, I promise you i was taking up for romo i was like yo that wasn't his fault that ball was mad slippery and Man, I remember Nobody that. really even knows that. Look, that was crazy. <laughs> Nobody even knows it. It wasn't Romo's fault. It was the referee's fault. Gave them the wrong ball. I've always said that the ball was slick. And finally, like, obviously it doesn't do anything for me now other than just the, the satisfaction of I was right. But, yeah, I, I mean, that that play alone basically dictated – the outlook of Tony Romo's career. No matter how he, how good he was, people were always going to bring that up. And that's just, just how it was. So I wanted to do something, uh, you know, being that it's like the first long-form podcast of the offseason for me. And I, I just wanted to, you know, I did it basically every time I every week basically after the games power rankings here are your extremely early power rankings and i'm going to start with 10 i'm going to go with the texans up and coming team up and coming star at the quarterback position up and coming head coach who i thought should have won coach of the year that's not here nor there up and coming defense exciting team to watch Definitely excited to see what they do moving forward. That's number 10, the Houston Texans. Number 9. And I don't like that I put them in the top 10, but I really thought I, I felt I had to. The Philadelphia Eagles. Huge step back. And in my honest opinion, 
I think they'll take another step back. But as of right now, I'll put them in the top 10, and we'll see what they do, uh, you know, the rest of the offseason, the draft, the free agency, whatever. Number eight I have is the Packers. Jordan Love showed he can be a, a formidable quarterback in this league, can be a force at the quarterback position at times. Um, they were a surprise team this year. Surprised the hell out of me. Uh, and, you know, they hope to take that next step forward this coming year. Number seven I have is the Detroit Lions. Solid team around them. All around. Dan Campbell, basically he takes too many chances. And Jared Goff will always be their downfall. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. I understand that. But just look at what happened with the Rams. The Rams moved on from Jared Goff and won a Super Bowl. They were at a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. They didn't win one. They got to a Super Bowl with Stafford. They won with Stafford. The Bengals are number six. Yeah, that may be crazy for some people, but they're getting back Burrow. And even without him, they kind of, you know, made a run to possibly make the playoffs. They almost made the playoffs. So we can't really, you know, that that team's good. And you add Joe Burrow ne- this year coming up, you know, they're they're going to be there. Number five I have is the Bills. And the only reason, and I literally have it written down right here, the only reason why I have the, the Bills at five, Josh Allen. That's all I need to tell you. Josh Allen. Number four, the Cowboys. One of the best rosters in the league. They have an explosive offense. Their defense is explosive. They're getting back Trayvon Diggs as well. The They get Mike Zimmer now in as defensive coordinator. You're going to see a, a different culture shock for the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to see you know, a different way of playing defense. And I'm excited for it. And I think that they add pieces that they need in the offseason, in free agency. They need a linebacker. They need defensive tackles. You know, you may even go for a safety because I don't know if they want to st- stick with uh, J. Ron Curse. But altogether, I think you're going to start to see, you know, uh, an even better defense for the Dallas Cowboys. I think they keep Stephon Gilmore. Now you have Deron uh, Bland, Trayvon Diggs. And Stephon Gilmore for a whole season. That would be huge for the Dallas Cowboys. Number three, I have the Ravens. Defense is one of the best top two in the league. I think they were number one actually this year. The offense is explosive. Obviously, you have Lamar Jackson. Don't think he should have won MVP, but that's not here nor there. But again, this team all around is another team. You know, I think if they get a little bit more pieces on offense... They could be even more explosive uh, than they were this year. And number one and number two I have is the the Super Bowl teams, the 49ers, the Super Bowl runner-up, the best team basically all season long. And then number one, the Chiefs. They were the Super Bowl champs. So they get number one. And that's the extremely early power rankings for running up the score. And... You know, speaking of power rankings, you know, we obviously, as I said before, we kind of just 
we go into, you know, rankings for these quarterbacks every day. I mean, you see it in every show on, uh, you know, on TV. You know, everybody talks about it on TikTok, podcast, YouTube, whatever it is. Everybody loves to rank things. And I, I saw a, a pretty funny video, actually. You know, and people were killing him for it. But Chris Sims basically called Jalen Hurts overrated. And I'm here to tell you Chris Sims is right when he said Jalen Hurts is the most overrated player in the NFL. And here's the clip. You you pit him up against a, a guy that's high up your rankings that you would take Kyler over. Is there like anybody like a oh. Jalen Hurts or anybody that you would say I got to think real hard? Well, about that would be one of them for really? sure. Yeah, I don't think like you know, you heard me talk yeah. yesterday. Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts is I respect a lot about Jalen Hurts, but I I think Jalen Hurts is also like the most overrated player in football. All right, I just that's that's me. I know I'm wrong. I take a lot of crap about that get comment, but you know, it's a it's a he plays quarterback for a team that's an all-star team. Yeah. They have the best O-line in football. It's not even close, right? They got maybe the best duos at receiver in all of football, right? I just think if you put some quarterback, other quarterbacks in Philly, you put Kyler Murray there, you'd go, damn, Kyler's amazing. <laughs> Is he the MVP of football? And I think we lose sight of all of that a little yeah. bit. Again, it yeah. gets into the quarterback team thing where right now we're all about the quarterback. And, uh, yeah, he'd be one of those. I've been saying this. You know, for the last four years when it comes to Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's that good. And he showed it this year, really. I mean, they were 10-1, and one, but he never really had a good game. A great game. Last year, great season. But that was it. And we started to, like, crown this guy after one season. A season where he got to the Super Bowl... And lost. I mean, we could really put Brock Purdy in the same category, basically what Chris Sims was saying. You know, you have the best roster in the league. Last year, he had one of the, you know, Jalen Hurts had one of the best rosters, if not the best roster in the league. I mean, this is like, just look at his stats, all right? You know, we'll, we'll take season one out. He was one in three as a quarterback. Really, he only played four games. But 2021, he was the starting quarterback. He had a 61% completion rating. He had 16 touchdowns, passing touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And threw for 3,100 yards. That's 15 games he played. With an 8-7 and seven record. Then he gets A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. 15 games, he goes 14 and 1, 3,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Great year. Great year. But still, that was one year. Then we go back to this year, 17 game season, he was 65% completion, 3,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. This guy is a middle-of-the-packed quarterback. But after one season, we were so willing to put him in the top two in quarterbacks, which is absurd. 
We need to stop taking players and after one season, totally just put them in the top five. That's not how this works. You need to see a body of work. It doesn't work with just one season. When you when you cherry pick one season, it doesn't work like that. And this is what gets me so frustrated when people, you know, say Dak Prescott, oh yeah, well he led the league in interceptions the year prior. Dude, check out the rest of his career. Eight years. Never had an interception problem. Guy breaks his thumb, misses four games, five games, whatever it was, and comes back probably earlier than he should have and threw 15 interceptions. Never had an interception problem. That's what we call body of work. Check the body of work. You're cherry picking. And that's what people do. They cherry pick stats to try to make their argument sound better. And it doesn't work. And speaking of, you know, just the awards as well, uh, the NFL got a few things wrong, a few things right in terms of, you know, the, the awards. I'll go right into it. What they got right. Comeback player of the year. Thank God they didn't give it to DeMar Hamlin. I understand. Listen, I understand where people are coming from. The guy, like, died on the field and is now playing in football games. I understand it. But he played in five games and had two tackles. Comeback player of the year has always been, you know, either coming back from an injury or just you know, was not playing for two years or whatever, comes back, but have good seasons. Like, you don't just give it to a – you don't give a Comeback Player of the Year award to somebody that, you know, tore his ACL the, the year prior, comes back and leads the league in interceptions and doesn't make the playoffs. You're not giving him the Comeback Player of the Year just because he came back on the field. You give it to the guy – that has come back and still puts on a show or still has a good season. That's what comeback player of the year. I don't care if the guy died on the field and just was able to put his feet back into, you know, why didn't we, you know, just because, you know, he basically came back to life and, you know, puts his feet on the ground makes one tackle the year the next year like it 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 doesn't work that way that's not comeback player of the year now where they got it wrong coach of the year also could have gone another way i, I mean i get kevin stefanski you know and what he did with that browns team just you know having the issues with deshaun watson staying healthy a and just not playing well, but, um, you know, and I get basically how the defense played all that, you know, they the Browns were a good team, but I mean, to me, I, I'm putting, I'm putting D'Amico Ryan's there. I think D'Amico Ryan's basically was the, the, 
the the guy that should have won it. And I think he was looked at as the winner, you know, prior to the playoffs. And then something happened. I don't know. But I think that Coach of the Year could have gone D'Amico Ryan's way. Lamar Jackson being MVP. I'm sorry. That's not... Listen, Lamar Jackson was good. His team was one of the best. But in terms of just play, I mean, come on, dude. Like, 3,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, a 64.7 QBR. He had 821 rushing yards and 5 touchdowns on the floor. Josh Allen. 4,300 yards, 29 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, 69 QBR, 524 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns on the ground. Dak Prescott, 4,500 passing yards, 36 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, a 72 QBR, 242 rushing yards, and 2 touchdowns on the ground. I don't care about the ground. I, I don't care about that. Because Jalen Hurts had 15 as well. It really didn't matter. But Dak Prescott is your MVP, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. about The fact that the dude didn't even get a fucking first place vote, that just shows you the hate that the Dallas Cowboys get. Because that was absurd that he didn't get a first first place vote. And it's absurd that he's not your MVP. And I'd still say, if Dak's not going to be your MVP, Josh Allen needs to be your MVP. Lamar Jackson shouldn't be there. Lamar Jackson had a good year. His team had a good year. But he didn't have the best year out of the quarterbacks that we're talking about. Even Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy had a better year than Lamar Jackson. It's just, it's crazy to me. that that's That's where they got it wrong. But I should have known that that, that Dak Prescott was not going to get MVP. It didn't matter. So there's a little drama with another quarterback in the league, Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields possibly, uh, you know, maybe on the move. And who knows? I, I mean, and then, like, of course, you're going to see different things in the media you know, a lot of people were talking about him unfollowing the Bears. And basically, he was on a podcast with the St. Browns, Equinemius St. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown. And this is what he had to say. Let's wait, since we're here, hold on. But, I mean, what's we're not. The, what's, well, no, 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 no. Since we're here. All right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, why are you why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Like, mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG, don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. You That's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. When you're single. It's you really messing with the girls you don't follow more than the girls you follow. You know, it's like you feel me. Oh, like, so you're saying on, you mess bro. with the Bears more now that you don't follow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. It's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away, get a little away for a little bit. It's either keep field. We want field to the drive Caleb. So it's like, bro, 
Man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. I mean, in all honesty, I understand it because, you know, the Bears have the number one pick. Caleb Williams is out there. You know, it, it's the, the Bears haven't been able to do much with Justin Fields. So, obviously, whenever you're going to go on, especially him, whenever you're going to go on social media, that's all you're going to see. I mean, people are talking about it left or right. So, I understand it. Listen, I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes dark on social media time to time. Like, dude, it, it's whatever. Like, we make we make so much out of nothing, and it's just something to talk about. We're in the off season now, so people just want to add drama to to a situation that shouldn't have any drama, basically. You know, the drama is going to be the NFL draft. What's going to happen at the NFL draft? That's where the drama is. Not, you know, a month and a half, two months prior to the draft. Another quarterback that may be on the move, Russell Wilson. Chad Johnson on his podcast with Shannon Sharp called the nightcap, mentioned that the black and gold might be going for Russell Wilson. This is what he had to say about that. A little birdie told me, and I said this many shows ago, if Russell Wilson coming on over there to the Steelers. I think right now I saw on DraftKings the betting favorite is Justin Fields to end up in Pittsburgh. No, he's going to Atlanta. I told you, I got the script. I thought he would be Michael Big 2.0 in Atlanta. On that turf? Yeah. Indoor? Oh, that's fast now. They even have Justin Fields going to Atlanta. So that was... uh, So it's interesting. We'll see what happens. I mean, Russell Wilson and the Steelers, it's not a bad... uh, it's not a bad deal. I think Steelers, you know, especially in that division, Deshaun Watson starts to find a stride with, with Cleveland. You know, obviously we figure out what happens, um, you know, with Pittsburgh. But also, you know, we figure out if Burrow will be back. You know, that division could be really, really good, especially Lamar Jackson as well. Uh, so we'll see. Now we go to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, obviously, I try to – Mainly now, after I revamped the show, kind of make this Dallas Cowboys heavy. And I wanted to talk about a few things, you know, prior to that. But now I'm into the Dallas Cowboy talk all in. That's what Jerry Jones said about the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. They're going all in. Obviously, Dan Quinn moved on. A couple of the coaches moved on as well. They hire Mike Zimmer as defensive coordinator. I love the hire. I even was loving the fact that maybe Rex Ryan might have been in the mix. Uh, Cowboys hire also Jeff, I don't know how to say it, but he's a defensive line coach. Greg Ellis, a former Dallas Cowboy, he'll be the assistant defensive line coach. Paul Gunther, run game coordinator. If you look up you know, just random things about Paul Gunther, it'll make you very happy. Steve Shimko, a newer um, higher as of the last week or so as an office, uh, offensive assistant also coached with Schottenheimer so it's a familiar uh, face Dan Quinn heads to Washington takes uh, Joe Witt with him as, as well for his defensive coordinator you know I I, I like what the, the, the route that the Cowboys are going right now because when you look at this hire Mike Zimmer 
as a defensive coordinator, the one thing, obviously familiar face, Greg Ellis, familiar face. I, I love it because we know what Mike Zimmer brings to a team. Mike Zimmer is going to bring that tough nose, you know, tough love. I don't care if I hurt your feelings kind of culture. And that's what this Dallas Cowboys team needs, especially that defense. The defense, the Dallas Cowboys as a whole, actually, need discipline. They need discipline. The fact that they are always in the top three or top four, even top five, in most penalized teams, it's it's an issue. And it needs to be cut out. I mean, literally, if you really go back to that Green Bay game, if they don't have the penalty on the third and long on the first drive, that may have been a different game from there. Because they hold them to zero on that first drive rather than giving them the, the touchdown. So that's that's something that, you know, because of a penalty. The penalties have killed the Cowboys every year since I can remember. And whether this is, you know, a tongue-in-cheek kind of funny thing, joke kind of thing, whatever it is. Jimmy Johnson on the radio talking about being added to the board for Jerry Jones. I mean, I I really hope it wasn't a joke because I love it. You know, I'm 33. You know, I wasn't really uh, coherent for the first you know the the three touch uh, the three Super Bowls in the nineties. You know, being that I you know I was two, three, and five. So, but I know you know what Jimmy Johnson meant to this team. I know what Jimmy Johnson meant to this organization. I know what Jimmy Johnson as a head coach was like. You know that team prior to you know. Getting Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin and all those guys, they weren't a good team. I mean, Troy Aikman's rookie year, I think they had one win. They built that team. They built that culture. They built what this organization is now. And right now, that has gone to the wayside. Whether that's Jerry Jones' fault, Stephen Jones' fault, whether that's the players' fault. My issue is just that, well, the players have changed. You know, the coaches have changed, yet Jerry Jones is still there. So maybe that's the, the common denominator, whatever it is. I, I, I don't want to speculate, but to me, I think Jerry Jones has always been the problem. And I think... It's going to get to a point this year where Jerry Jones is, I think he's starting to realize he doesn't have much more time. And he wants to see this team win. You know, he's not getting any younger. So maybe this all-in approach is kind of what he's getting at. Like, I, I I don't have time. I need to go all in. So we'll see. But... Adding Jimmy Johnson to 
to the board. I mean, I have the clip. Let's see what you guys think. You know, is it a joke or is it true? Who knows? Well, if it's the Ring of Honor, Jerry and I, man, I'm on his advisory board now. <laughs> We're talking on the phone. I, I talked to him about an hour after his Green Bay loss and, you know, he's talking about what all he needed to do because he's got had big decisions on Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and Dak Prescott. Uh, so, but everything's hunky dory now. So I'm, I'm back in the fold with the Cowboys. Well, I thought back in the fold. So uh, I mean, hey, listen. However you want to take that, I- I'm going to take it as a as a really good move on Jerry Jones' part. You know, and hopefully Jimmy Johnson can help this team. Uh, and help it, help the the coaches the coaching staff help Jerry Jones just move on and, and Micah Parsons also being on the 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 podcast with Stephen A basically saying like I was able to sit with Jerry Jones for the whole Super Bowl and just discuss what I think we need on defense and you know as a team as a whole like I I think that's huge I think Jer- Jerry Jones is starting to I don't want to say give up the reins but he's starting to take advice and that's that's a big jump for this Dallas Cowboys organization and uh the the one thing that's been crazy everybody's been talking about DeMarcus Lawrence comments during the Super Bowl basically uh this is it mention how you wish your team was here Mm -hmm. what happened and why your team isn't here uh all honesty, I think the main thing is we was burned out, man. Uh, you know, long season, um, team dominantly healthy throughout the season. You know, um, the legs get tired. But also, um, you know, you got to give hats off to Green Bay, man. They came out with a great game plan, um, you know, rolling out towards Micah and then running away from me. I feel like, you know, that's that's what they needed to, you know, get their game started. And they jumped on us fast. And What about adjustments? Yeah, adjustments, man. Uh, you know, feel like we went in the locker room and, you know, we came out, you know, ready with our adjustments, but uh, still didn't go the way that we planned it to go. So you said we were burnt out, and obviously everybody's up in arms about that. Yeah, that's not what you want to hear one of your, you know, premier players say. You know, and I love DeMarcus Lawrence. I think DeMarcus Lawrence is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Um, and... Micah answered some questions on that. You know, Bart Scott had some um, comments about that, just basically talking about Micah. And, you know, honestly, like, this whole thing with Micah and, you know, having a podcast and whatnot, like, I think it's just the fact that people are so up in arms about it. I mean, literally almost every NFL player nowadays has a a podcast. What does it matter? I mean, this is a perfect example of what, the Dallas Cowboys do how the cow- the Cowboys are looked at in the media. The fact that like Eric Armstead has a, a as a podcast, you know, um, just like oh, these guys have podcasts, and you don't hear about their podcasts, but you hear about Michael Parsons' podcast every single week. Everybody waits for something that he's going to say. And that is that that's basically what I'm getting at whenever I talk about how the Cowboys are so polarizing and they're always hated on and this and that. Like this is the perfect example. 
I also was uh, watching a podcast uh, with Shannon Sharp, Club Shay Shay. He had Johnny Manziel on it, and his comments of uh, possibly becoming a Dallas Cowboy, and I, I thought it was very interesting. And honestly, you could probably say that I'm going to say Stephen Jones because I I really don't think that Jerry Jones. I think Jerry Jones wanted Johnny Manziel, but I'm going to say Stephen Jones and maybe even Will McClay saved. Johnny Manziel's life. 16th pick of that draft was Dallas. And I remember the anticipation in Radio City when that pick was coming up, and I had my fingers crossed under that table the entire time. Please, let me go put that star on my helmet. Looking back now, thank God that it didn't happen because I wouldn't be sitting here today. You said you're glad you didn't go to Dallas because... I think knowing what I was doing in Cleveland, how hard it was for me to party and move and do these kind of things. If you would have put me in a landscape of, that was my backyard that I knew, you know, I had been driving from College Station up to Dallas when there wasn't nothing going on in College Station. Right. So it was something I was familiar with. I know who I was hanging around at that point in my life. And I think it would have been just an absolute disaster to the point of it wouldn't have been suicide that, w that would have been the issue. It would have been drinking and driving. It right. would have been taking a bag from somebody you shouldn't take it from and just boom, could have been over in an instant. So I think I know myself well enough to be able to say that it would have been bad in its own right. And luckily, thankfully, you know, it didn't happen, even though at that time it's what I wanted. Stephen Jones, Will McClay, Jerry, Jerry Jones, they possibly saved Johnny Manziel's life by not selecting him in that draft. And also, they took Zach Martin. So, uh, I mean, I think we made out pretty well uh, in that draft. Dak Prescott to set the market at $60-plus million. And, yes, I, I think it's well-deserved. I think Dak Prescott should get paid. I think for the Dallas Cowboys' sake, they should pay him because, A, quarterbacks don't grow on trees. I, I mean, there's plenty of teams that I can bring up right now and they would wish for Dak Prescott. They would wish for Tony Romo. You know, they don't, like, the Dallas Cowboys have been very, very fortunate to have two very, very good quarterbacks to keep you relevant. Although, as I said, you don't win a Super Bowl, it's a failure. But in Jerry Jones' eyes, it's not a failure. As long as the Cowboys are relevant, he's happy. And that's been my issue with Jerry Jones lately. And I'm hoping that that changes in the coming years. But it helps the Dallas Cowboys in terms of salary cap. So the Cowboys aren't moving from Dak Prescott. So get them the deal. Get the deal done. Bank this money so that you can start making some deals in free agency and make this team better. Rob Parker's comments... For Fox Sports, I mean, th this guy's a clown. And basically, him and Chris Broussard talking about sports that they shouldn't even be talking about because they're, you know, not football guys. But here. But the report says, and Rob G, correct me if I'm wrong, that Dak Prescott, Rob, wants $60 million per year. Now, Joe Burrow currently is the highest paid quarterback in the NFL making $55 million a year. Uh, Rob Parker, what are your thoughts? 
No way, no how would I give Dak Prescott $60 million. I don't care, Chris, if he's in line for it, and we know how it goes. It's all about when your contract's up, and the right. next guy is usually the highest-paid guy. But at some point, you got to buck the trend. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, you got to say, we're not paying you that. Can we put on the film of the playoff game you had against Green Bay, that debacle, and look at your postseason record and look at the years that we've lost postseason games at home and struggled offensively? We're not doing it. And if you want to stay a part of the Dallas Cowboys and you want to keep making all that endorsement money for being a cow, right. a quarterback on the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to give us a Texas discount. What do they say, Chris? Everything's bigger in Texas, including a discount when you stink <laughs> in the postseason. The Cowboys and Jerry Jones should demand a discount from Dak Prescott. It's so idiotic. Like, first of all, again, basically what he said, you know, it. someone's going to set the market. You know, it just every year the market gets set. Justin Herbert just sent the market. Mahomes said it a couple of years ago. Burrow said it. I, I mean, it's just like, listen, Dak Prescott's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, period. I don't care what anybody says. He deserves the money. The Dallas Cowboys deserve to have Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott deserves to win a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, period. And the Cowboys need to set the market for Dak Prescott, and he's probably going to get 60 mil. But that's, you know, that's that's the world that we're living in. That's the NFL world that we're living in. You got to deal with it. So it's just stupid. And another Fox Sports reporter, Colin Coward, back at it. I'm not even going to hype it up. I'm just going to play it. Let's go to the NFC. I have two new playoff teams. Commanders win their division. Packers win their division. Falcons win their division. Rams win their division. Wild cards are Cowboys, Lions, Niners. Why Commanders? $75 million in cap space. Love Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury as a staff. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys, because of age and drama, are vulnerable. I think the Commanders, we have a surprise team every year in the league. I think they get Drake May. I think Drake May's like Justin Herbert as a comp, played in a simple college offense, and will be better than people think immediately. Herbert was, C.J. Stroud was. I think Drake May is that guy this year. Packers, I love their young offensive personnel. Don't like it? I love it. They're kids, and they went into Dallas and hammered the Cowboys. I thought Lafleur had his best job as a head coach, did his best job. Falcons, I think they land Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins. Top five offensive line, nice pieces. I think they get a veteran in there for a couple of years, and Atlanta wins kind of a weak division. Rams, second youngest team that made the playoffs to the Packers. I think one of the great coaches in football. They've got 11 draft picks and about $30 million of cap space. I think the Rams are in the Super Bowl bubble potentially. I have the Cowboys, Lions, and Niners, all with offensive coaches getting in. It's crazy to me that he has the Commanders as number one. Again, he has Commanders as the number one seed. That's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. 
their defense isn't good anymore. They traded away everybody. And they get, uh, you know, and he's saying that they're going to get Drake May. Okay, you get Drake May. You're still like, you still have a rookie quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Rookie quarterbacks lately have been, you know, definitely um, better than expected. But, I, I mean, dude, like, you'll have a, a rookie quarterback. You'll have a new head coach with a new offense and new defense schemes. Your defense is depleted, especially up front. I mean, where, what, in what world are you living in that you think that the commanders are going to win the division? A, win the the conference. B, I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. Colin Coward does this every time. The guy just talks out of his ass. But I guess this is the reason why, because I'm commenting on it. But that's not here nor there. Whatever. Now, before I get out of here, you know, this is this is the reason why I want to bring this up. Um, you know, instead of listening to guys like Chris Broussard, Rob Parker, Colin Coward, uh, Stephen A. Smith, uh, LaShawn McCoy, I mean, listen to the real reporters. Listen to... You know, the real fans, the, the the people that, you know, do what they can to give you some real stuff about your team. I mean, I wanted to bring up a couple of names in this Dallas Cowboy community of just, you know, podcasts, Twitter, uh, Twitter names, and, uh, you know, anything that you want to find real Dallas Cowboy information and solid information. I want you to look at these guys. The Lando Show, Landon Holyfield, Jay Tuck, Jordan Tucker, Law Thomas, Law Nation, uh, Brian Broadus. Obviously, he's, you know, very, very close to the Dallas Cowboys. Patrick Walker, the voice of the star. Vodge Lombardi. Cowboys beat your guy Knicks, Skywalker Steel, Marcus Mosher. I mean, those are just some names that you know I constantly will go to 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 just find news. Um, you know, I, I I love the the content that these guys come out with, and if you're a true Dallas Cowboys fan. These are the guys that you want to really, you know, keep an eye on. You want to follow. You want to listen to what they have to say because these guys are are the truth. These guys are, you know, the best out there, especially if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. And I enjoy following all of them. I mean, all these guys are on Twitter, TikTok, uh, YouTube. Uh, So check them out. You know, they don't follow me. So this is not just a, you know, I'm doing it, you know, and I barely have anybody. So, you know, it's just, you know, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, as a Dallas Cowboy, you know, podcaster, um, you know, these are the guys that you 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 watch all the time. I watch all the time. So instead of watching Fox, Fox Sports, instead of watching ESPN, instead of watching, you know, uh, all these 
idiots on TV that are basically, you know, forced to say or, you know, basically trying to to get ratings by some of the stupid shit that they say that it's not truthful. It's not it's not, you know, what's the point of watching it? Look at these guys. These are the guys that you want to look at. These are the guys that you want to watch. These are the guys that you want to follow. So uh, give them a follow. I'll put their um, profiles, their links, uh, all in the comments. uh, And I'll put them up on the screen as well. But that will do it for running up the score. I'm Jerry. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.